All right. Amen. You know what? I think Pastor Braden's doing his job because a couple of fellas lost a pound or two during worship. Amen. They weighed before service and they lost a pound or two. So you're doing your job. Amen. They're doing a great job uh, worshiping the Lord. Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord today. Let's look in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 this morning. The book of Hebrews chapter number 12. We're going to read verse number 1. We begin our series this morning on the biggest loser. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1, reading from the New Living Translation. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he said, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The writer of Hebrews said there that we are to strip off every weight that slows us down. We're going to begin a, a three-week series on the biggest loser. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord today. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us ears to hear the word of the Lord today. Lord, may all of us, Lord, at the end of this, Lord, actually be the biggest loser as we strip away things that are not uh, that, 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 that weigh us down in our spiritual walk. Father, we ask for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And you may be reseated this morning. Many, if not most, of man's physical problems are caused by simply being overweight. Things like high blood pressure and diabetes, heart problems, bad cholesterol, fatigue, back trouble, and the list goes on and on and on and on. We are told today that 50%, half of all Americans today are overweight. Don't look around this morning. <laughs> Obesity in children is becoming epidemic. Much, if not most, of America's physical problems would, would simply go away if people would only lose some weight. Well, the shame is true spiritually. Too many of God's people are spiritually overweight. They carry around too much fat. This extra weight causes them to become spiritually diseased and spiritually unhealthy. The fat that they carry around is things like unforgiveness and pride, fear and, and worry and lust. And the list is, is nearly endless. Because of this excess fat, the spirit man becomes sluggish and, and the spirit man becomes ineffective. At, and this slows him down and it drains him of his energy. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 12 and verse 1, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What did he say there? He said, lose some weight. <laughs> so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about a few of the many weights that weigh us down and, uh, and make the, the spirit man too heavy where he is ineffective. The biggest loser will be the ones who choose to lose their weight. Amen. Our subject today is... Lose your guilt. Lose your guilt. How many understand that guilt can, can really weigh you down? And every single one of us 
have experienced guilt. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The story is told of Noel Coward. As a prank, he sent out an anonymous letter to ten well-known men in London. And the letter that he wrote to these men said, We know what you have done. And if you don't want to be exposed, leave town. Within six months, all ten of these men moved. It was done as a prank. It was done just as a joke. It was done in fun. And yet it proved just how powerful that guilt can be. Let me understand that guilt is a, is a terrible burden to bear. And all of us have skeletons in our closet. All of us have skeletons in our closet. Satan loves to hold these things over our heads. He loves to use guilt to weigh us down so that we will be less effective in the, in the work and in the kingdom of God. Amen. If you're here this morning and you have a problem overcoming guilt, you need to memorize Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When? Now. Now. No what? No condemnation to whom? To those who are in Christ Jesus. Hear me this morning, people. God doesn't want you carrying around all of that extra weight of guilt. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to take the fat of guilt off of you today. I'm going to take just a moment this morning and and clarify something. And this is what I want to clarify this morning. I I want you to hear everything that I have to say. I want you to get this this morning. There are two types of guilt. Two types of guilt. There is healthy guilt. And there is unhealthy guilt. Now, healthy guilt occurs when we sin. When we sin, we, we, we feel guilty. And hear me this morning and hear me clear. If you are in sin, you should feel guilty. I said if you're in sin this morning, if you're living in sin, the weight of sin, the weight of guilt ought to be there. You ought to feel guilty if you are in sin today. Unconfessed sin should produce guilt. That's unhealthy or healthy guilt. Healthy guilt is like good pain. Pastor, are you saying that pain can be good? Absolutely. Absolutely it can. If I touch a hot stove and I experience pain, it's good. Why is it good? It's good because the pain tells me I better take my hand away from the stove. Because if I don't take my hand away from the stove, uh, my hand is going to burn to the degree that it will absolutely become useless. So pain in that sense is good. Pain in my chest warns me that I might have a problem with my heart. Without the pain to warn me, without the pain to alarm me, I could have a heart attack, not even know it, and die. Pain can be good. Guilt can be healthy. It tells me I need to repent. It tells me uh, that I need to change the way that I am living. 
Now, guilt is unhealthy when it, when it persists even after I have repented, even after I have asked God to forgive me, even after I have changed the way that I have been living. If I am still experiencing guilt, that is unhealthy guilt. That is not guilt that God wants me to carry. So, this morning, I, I want to free you from unhealthy guilt today. But I don't want you to misunderstand me and think that all guilt is bad. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, if you have secret sin, cherished sin, you should feel guilty. But here's my message today. Don't stay in that guilt. Repent and turn from that sin and become free of guilt. Let's talk about guilt for a few moments today. I want to talk about three things this morning. Three things this morning. First of all, I want to talk about the example of guilt. Talk about the example of guilt. I've chosen David. We could have chosen others, but, but all of us should be familiar with, with David and with his story. And so I've chosen David as our example of guilt today. We understand that David was a lowly shepherd boy who, who gained favor with God and became eventually became a king. Yes. And David was a godly king for the most part, and yet he failed God miserably for a time. You know the story, David lusted after Uriah's wife Bathsheba when he saw her bathing on the roof of her house. The Bible said that he committed adultery with her. The Bible says that he then tried to cover it up. The Bible even tells us that eventually that that David set her husband up to be killed in battle, which made him a murderer. And so it goes with sin. I've said this many times, but it, re- but it bears repeating. Sin will take you farther than you intended to go. It always will take you farther than you intended to go. And it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you intended to pay. Let's talk about David's guilt this morning for a few moments. Let's notice three things about David's guilt. First of all, let me suggest that it was appropriate. It was appropriate. In Psalm 51, verse 2 and 3, David cries out to God and he says, Wash me clean from my guilt. And he says, My rebellion haunts me day and night. I'm saying that David's guilt was appropriate. He rightfully experienced guilt. He had lusted. He had stolen something that didn't belong to him. That was his neighbor's wife. He had committed adultery. He even committed murder. Listen, friend, there's something really wrong with us if we can commit terrible sins and not feel guilty about it. David experienced guilt over what he had done, and rightly so, it was was appropriate. Hear me this morning, if you are living with unconfessed sin in your life, don't expect the peace of God to overwhelm you this morning. No, to the contrary, guilt will engulf you. Oh, but this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This guilt comes. God sends this guilt to you in order to convict you, in order to woo you back to Him, in order to show you your sin, in order that you might repent and turn around, amen, and get back in right relationship with Him. Not only was David's guilt appropriate, it was also abundant. Abundant. In Psalm 51 and 3, David cries out and he says, My sin haunts me day and night. David was absolutely eaten up with guilt. You might be thinking, Pastor, I thought you were going to help us lose our guilt today. I am. 
I am this morning, but you will never lose your guilt by trying to ignore it. You will never lose your guilt by trying to cover it up. You will never lose your guilt by trying to suppress it. You will only lose your guilt by first acknowledging it and then repenting over its cause. Not only was David's guilt appropriate, not only was it abundant, but let me suggest that it was also an accusing guilt. Once again, Psalm 51 and 3, David said, My sin haunts me day and night. I don't think a day would ever go by, but what David wasn't reminded over and over and over of his sin. Not one single night could he lay down to sleep without his mind playing over in the theater of his mind over and over and over again his evil deeds. Perhaps someone here today has unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe it's pornography. Oh, pastor, you're, you you know, this is the choir you are, you are talking to this morning. This is the cream of the crop. This is the early service. This is, you know, this is the rock solid crew here this morning. Maybe so. But I know a little bit about what happens in the choir. And it's not all singing. Maybe you have unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe it's pornography and nobody has a clue what you are doing. It is so sleazy, it is so dirty, and it is so disgusting. Maybe you're having an affair. Pastor, us, this group? Just last week, just last week I found out that the wife of one of the best men in a church I used to pastor... His wife was having an affair the entire time I was pastor. Nobody had a clue. Not even me. It shocked me. I couldn't believe it. Perhaps your affair hasn't become sexual yet. Therefore, you say it's not an affair. If I haven't committed the act, then then it's not an affair. Oh, oh, but it's an affair nonetheless because it's inappropriate feelings or it's an emotional connection. If this this is you this morning, I have a word for you. Run! All right, we've talked about the example of guilt. Let's talk a little bit about the effects of guilt. Talk about the effects of guilt. You see, guilt doesn't just make us feel bad. And guilt does, doesn't it? It makes us feel bad. And we think that's the the worst thing. But no, there there are far more worse effects uh, of guilt than just feeling bad. Guilt has a negative effect on every single part of our life. I wanted to share three negative effects that, that guilt has. First of all, it will destroy confidence. Guilt destroys confidence. Guilt guilt can make us feel insecure. Because we're always looking over our shoulder. We're always worried that somebody's going to find out what we've done or where we've been. Police officers will tell you that some of their biggest arrests come by accident. They come about because when they tried to stop someone for a routine minor traffic violation, the person in the car assumes, well, they're on to me. 
They've caught me. And so they run. They're pulled over for running a stoplight or, or for speeding or for having a taillight on the back when actually they're a murderer or they're a rapist or they've robbed a bank somewhere. And when they see the lights, they think, they're on to me, they've caught me now. And so they run. And here this cop is pulling somebody over for a minor traffic violation. And here is this big bad criminal giving himself, well, he's running until he's caught. The wisdom writer said, Proverbs 28 and 1, the wicked, I love this, the wicked are edgy with guilt. Ready to run even when no one is after them. And he goes on to say, on the other hand, honest people are relaxed and confident and bold as lions. Guilt destroys confidence both in yourself but also in others. In others. Guilt will cause you to question the authenticity of everybody else. Guilt will cause you to think, well, if I'm living a double life, if I'm a hypocrite, if I'm fooling others, who's to say that others aren't just like me? If I'm cheating on my wife, maybe she is cheating on me. Guilt destroys confidence both in ourselves and in others. Notice another effect of guilt. Guilt demolishes relationships. It demolishes relationships. Because of guilt, our emotions are all messed up. And so we lash out at the very people that we love. And a molehill suddenly becomes a mountain. Because of guilt, we feel so undeserving. And because we feel so undeserving, oh, so we sabotage our, our relationships, whether we do it on purpose or we do it unknowingly. And the most important relationship that we sabotage is our relationship with God. Let me tell you something this morning. Please understand this today. God will forgive any and all sin. Say any and all. God will forgive any and all sin. But there's sin that God will not and cannot forgive. You say that? What? But it's true. God can forgive any and all sin. God will forgive any and all sin. And yet there is sin that God cannot nor God will not forgive. What is that sin? Unconfessed and unrepented of sin. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, if we what? If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Does He forgive everybody every sin? Is there, is there a, a condition here? Yeah, that's a tricky question. If, say if. If, say it again, if. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and He's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the biggest little word in the English language. If we do it. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Now repent of your sins. What? Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Are all sins wiped away? No. Only those sins that are repented of. 
Guilt demolishes our relationships. Some couples divorce because one of the spouses cannot get victory over the guilt of an affair they had or, or an immoral act or, 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 or something they were, that they uh, uh, lost trust with the other spouse over. And, and they end up getting a divorce because they cannot get victory over the guilt of something that they did in their past. Or, or they get a divorce because of guilt that they have carried from their childhood uh, because they were molested or they were abused or raped or something horrible happened to them as a child and even though it was not their fault they were but a child and yet somehow guilt tells them somehow it's your fault and they can't get over the guilt and because the guilt is always there it messes up their relationship and they end up getting a divorce Talking about the effects of guilt this morning. Guilt affects not uh, guilt affects every single part of your life and the lives of those that are close to you but not only does guilt destroy confidence and demolish relationships, but let me suggest that guilt damages your body. Guilt damages bodies. In Psalm 32, uh, David talks about his guilt. And in verse number 4, David says, My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Now, medical studies have proven that guilt has an adverse effect on the human body. Guilt causes stress, which leads to a host of physical problems. There are a lot of people who have chronic physical pain. And they've had test after test after test after test after test. And the doctors have tried. And the doctors have failed. And the doctors cannot seem to find the source of their problem. May I suggest perhaps the source of their problem is not physical at all but rather spiritual. Just a thought. You will be billed by Dr. Benson this morning. The theme for my message today is lose your guilt. How do we do it? Good question, huh? How do we do it? How do we lose our guilt? Well, I've got three things I want to talk about this morning. On Number three is the elimination of guilt. And I'm going to talk about how we eliminate guilt. In Psalm 51, say Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David agonizes over his sin. His guilt is real and his guilt is regular. How many understand that the Bible was not put together chronologically? It's not, it started here and ended here. No, it jumps around all over the place. So actually, Psalm 51 should come before Psalm 32. In chronological order. Now you're really confused. But in Psalm 51, David agonizes over his sin. His, sin, his, his guilt is real. His guilt is regular. In Psalm 32, and I want you to turn there this morning, Psalm 32, David has dealt with and has eliminated guilt from his past sin. I want to read that to you this morning, Psalm 32 from the New Living Translation. David writes, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, David said, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
In verse 3, David said, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me, and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, David said, finally I confess all of my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. We'll read the rest of that here in a few moments, but I want to talk about four things in this in this uh, psalm, this 32nd psalm of David, as we talk about and think about the elimination of guilt. The first thing I notice here is confession. I notice confession here. In the first five verses, David confesses that he has sinned. He said in verse 3 and 4 that there was a time when he wasn't willing to confess his sins. And it, because of that, he suffered the mental, the emotional, and the physical consequences for it. In verse 5 he said, finally, say finally. finally. Did David repent immediately? No. Finally, finally he said, finally I confess all my sins to you, O God. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. So perhaps for a time David tried to rationalize and justify his action, which was sin. I can just hear David saying to himself, I am the king. I mean, my goodness, I am, I am the king. And as the king, shouldn't I have anything and everything I want? How many think that David might have tried to justify his actions for a time? He must have because he says, finally I confessed. Perhaps you this morning, perhaps you too have tried to rationalize and justify your sinful actions. Maybe you said to yourself, my wife doesn't satisfy me or meet my needs. And a, and a man has his needs, you know. Maybe, ma'am, you have said my husband doesn't understand me. He doesn't listen to me. He's not gentle with me. He, he doesn't give me the affection. Oh, yeah, he wants to have sex with me, but he doesn't give me the, the affection, the tenderness that I need. And so it's okay to seek it elsewhere. No. No, it's not. David said, finally, finally I confess all of my Listen, friend, actually it wasn't until the the man of God, Nathan the prophet, only when he stuck his long bony finger in David's face and only after he called him out, only then did David fess up. Maybe somebody here today needs this prophet of God today to stick his bony little finger in your face and call you out today for your sin. Please don't let it come to that. Spare yourself the embarrassment and cry out to God in secret. An evangelist, in fact, we're having him in April. Friend of mine, he's from South Africa, was conducting a meeting in a City not that far from where I was at the time, pastoring. Anyway, long story short. 
God uses this man in the gifts of the Spirit, uses him a lot in the gift of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. And one morning as he had people down at the altar, and one by one he was going to them, and he came to this lady, and God gave him a word of knowledge about that lady. He didn't do it out in the open where everybody could hear whatever, but the pastor told me he was right there beside the evangelist. And this evangelist friend of mine just read her mail, and it wasn't good mail. It was bad stuff. And she said, huh. <laughs> Oh, oh you're, no, you're no prophet. You're no man of God. You're so far off base. You don't even have a clue. You're not even close. Brother John said, Well, we'll just give the Holy Spirit a moment here. And my pastor friend, this lady, started screaming to the top of her lungs I've lied! I've lied! And she fell on her knees and repented. First John 1 and 9, again, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The second thing that I see here in this psalm is, is communication. Verse uh, 5, the, the, the latter part of verse 5, David said, I, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. Sometimes we need a little self-talk. Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves And talk ourselves into repentance by reminding ourselves of the terrible consequences if we don't. And then there's sometimes that we need to talk to a trusted and tight-lipped friend. Emphasis, trusted, tight-lipped. Well, be careful there. Sometimes we might need to communicate with a wise and godly counselor. Again, emphasis, wise, godly. Sometimes our emotions are are so messed up that, that we can't see, we can't think, we can't act rationally. And sometimes the situation is beyond us and beyond our ability and beyond our wisdom. Sometimes we're too close to the situation. In times like these, we need a good, godly, wise counselor. The third thing I see is communion found in verses 6 through 8. Therefore, let, the, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. That they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Oh, what sweet communion is available to the people of God when the guilt of all past sin is gone. Say, Pastor, what do I do when Satan tries to bring up my past? Let me help you out a little bit this morning because the devil is notorious for trying to bring up your past, to bring up things that have already been confessed, already been repented of, already under the blood, already forgiven. But the devil loves to bring back those things to our mind. He loves to bring those things back to us. What do I do, Pastor, when Satan tries to bring up my past? 
Listen, friend, when Satan tries to place the spirit of guilt on you for sins of the past, but they are sins that have been repented of, they are sins that have been forsaken, though they are sins that have been forgiven and forgotten. Listen to me this morning. When the devil brings up your past, remind him of his future. And his future is revealed in Revelation 20 and 10. Then the devil will be cast into the lake of fire and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So when the devil tries to put the guilt of the past on you, remind him of his future. And the fourth thing that I see here is consolation. Verses 10 and 11, unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey Him, shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. Hear me, this morning God wants to eliminate guilt from your life. He doesn't want you weighted down with guilt. He's willing to forgive and forget. In fact, if you have repented of it, He has already moved on. And if you were to bring up your past to Him, He wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Because He said in Psalm 103 and 12, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. I want you to notice it doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. It's significant because we understand that you can go north and north and north and north, but eventually you will reach the North Pole. And if you continue on, you will no longer be going north. Now you will be going south, not so heading west. You can head west and you'll go west and west and west and west and west. I mean, you'll go e- you can head e- east, excuse me. You can go east and you'll go Go east and 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 you will never, ever, ever, ever run out of east. You will never run into west. The only time you'll see west is if you turn around. That's how far that the sin, the confessed, the repented of, the forgiven sin of God's people is. Amen. It's so far removed. It's so far removed. It will never come back. Give the Lord a shout of praise in His house. Think about this this morning. Pastor Braden, would you get back in place? Just you, please. Think about this this morning. David sinned. Lust. Greed. He was a thief. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. And the Old Testament, say Old Testament. The Old Testament tells us all about it. It withholds nothing. Then we get to the New Testament. And David, 57 times, David is mentioned in the New Testament. If you don't believe me, you can go home and read the New Testament over and over today and find out if I'm off by one or two. I wish you would. 57 times in the New Testament David is referred to his name is mentioned not one single time is his sin mentioned why? it's gone as far as the east is from the west today by reminding you of something I said earlier. There is healthy guilt and there is unhealthy guilt. Healthy guilt is the guilt that we experience when we sin. We ought to feel
guilty when we sin. It's one of many ways that God uses to get us to repent of and turn from our sin. F.B. Meyer said, secret sin and inner peace cannot coexist. Unhealthy guilt is the guilt we experience after we have repented of and turned from a particular sin. If you have repented of and turned from a particular sin and you still feel guilt and condemnation over it, either it's either coming from the devil or it's coming from a person. And sometimes that's hard to determine which is which. I go overseas and there's a lot of casting out demons overseas. I have to kind of work myself into it because most of the demons that I work with are, are saved demons. Amen. <laughs> Little devils in the church. Amen. Come on. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> this is unhealthy guilt and you don't have to put up with it. There's two things that I need to happen today. Two things I want to see happen today. Two things I want God to do at the altar this morning. First of all, I want to see conviction happen today. Conviction needs to happen today. People that have guilt because of sin in their life, you need to be convicted of it. You need to feel guilty today. I want you to feel guilty today. Not because I'm mad at you, because I love you. I want you to feel guilty. That's called conviction. We need that. And I want the Holy Spirit to do His work of conviction today. Not only do I want to see conviction happen today, I also want to see comfort. And the same one that brings conviction, the Holy Spirit, is the same one that can bring comfort. Conviction that is going to happen today is going to happen to people that have healthy guilt. They have guilt, but they need to have guilt because they have sin in their life. Comfort is going to come today for those that have unhealthy guilt in their life. They feel guilty over over sin that they've already confessed, they've already forsaken, they've already put under the blood. They've either either allowed the devil or they have allowed some person to continue to bring it up. Maybe even maybe you even feel guilty over something that happened to you when you were just a little boy or a little girl. Some adult took advantage of you, but it was their fault. It was their doing. It was evil. It was bad. It was wrong. But somehow, somehow you have convinced yourself or the enemy has convinced you that somehow it was your fault. No, it was not your fault. That's unhealthy guilt. And for you this morning, maybe you had an affair or maybe you were once hooked on pornography or drugs or alcohol or something that you've been forgiven, you've been delivered, you've been set free, you're living for God, but somehow you can't get over the guilt. That's unhealthy guilt. The Holy Spirit is going to be here today to comfort those. Our series is The Biggest Loser. We need to lose our guilt today. We'll either lose it by repenting 
do it by simply receiving the grace and the comfort of God. Would you stand with me in the Lord's presence today? Every head bowed and every eye closed.